Kirocast Podcast Emporium. We tried so hard and got so far. <laughs> Welcome to Alphabet Flight, an encyclopedic Marvel journey where I go through the official handbook of the Marvel Universe with a guest, and we talk about all the characters we know and love and have forgotten as well. My name is Jesse Cooper, and with me today is something, something Black Bolt, because I was going to say that, uh, Tim! Hello! Unlike Black Bolt, you can hear me speak, and my voice is beautiful. Yeah, it turns out- How are you, Jesse? Okay, wait, I'm going to give this hypothetical. Mostly mm-hmm. because he d- mostly because we can't hear sounds from a comic book. We know that mm-hmm. Black Bolt talks and makes big things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Black Bolt totally feeds into uh, the character we're talking about today. Uh, but do you think he just has like one of those like high squeaky voices, and that's why it's so destructive? <sighs> like he can tap into all the low like high frequencies that could just destroy things. It's one of the two. It's either super high and like pierces your eardrums and that kind of thing, or it's really low and it's you know rumbles. Which I, one of those two? I feel like everyone involved wants it to be like super high. I mean, super like low and like mm-hmm. rumbly and like quote unquote manly all bass. and all bass. Yeah. But I like to think that it's all treble. That'd be great. <laughs> I like the idea of that. He just has the highest, squeakiest voice in the world, or the universe. <laughs> but, uh, speaking of people with low, grumbly voices and muscles and and stuff, Hawk! Oh, I thought we were just talking about me. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, for real, like, Hulk is so great. I love him. He's so great. Like, for real, I have so many things that's just Hulk-related. Unfortunately, uh, I don't have any of the decorations out, but I bought multiple art prints with Hulk on it. Oh, cool. My favorite one being uh, Mad Makes Sad, and it's just a crying Hulk and a cheeky Aww. thing. Yeah, it's super sad. I bought Hulk hands multiple times. Nice. The first wave was the best ones, in my opinion. I wasn't old enough to buy them with my own money. Ah. Uh. So I, I just had to get a later era of them, but it's whatever. Um, also, oh, okay, the, fu- the fun thing is, which I, I did this years ago before I knew there'd be a Planet Hulk movie starring Thor. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have Thor stuff as well. So I could technically do like the whole pants and the Thor uh, Meowner and uh, the helmet and everything. I'd be like, oh, look, we're oh, so nice. good friends. So yeah. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of also Planet, uh, not Planet Hulk, um, the movie based off of Planet Hulk, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, coming in November and it looks great. Oh my god, it looks so great. How could you, how could it not be a great movie? Don't disappoint me, please. <laughs> uh, I'm super excited for it. I, uh, I cannot wait. I can't wait either. But, um, but Hulk, sorry, we've already gotten off subject. So Hulk... He's a big green giant. The green scar. Scar son. Right. I'm only referring to Planet Hulk right now. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be doing a, uh, a Hulk podcast. 
called Pewdie Pages. That's right. Tell the people about it, Jesse. Called Pewdie Pages. Uh, the first run of it is going to be, I'm going to be doing a page by page reread and analysis of a Planet Hulk run of the Incredible Hulk. Um, it might go out to other stories as well. Um, but this will literally keep me going for probably about a year because it's a very long arc. And I think they're 30 page, like premiere. Uh, I think so. I'm not sure. I know it seems very long. Um, because if they're 30 pages, that means it's a month and a half per issue, which is going to take mm-hmm. a long time. But, uh, but I don't mind it because it's, it's good. I think it's going to be a fun podcast. Um, it's going to be a little bit more dry and less jokey, but I'm going to try to do little things to spice up the look. Hulk is smashing real bad things. Good. Well, it's a great story, and from an artistic standpoint, there's a lot there to dig into. So I think that's going to yield some really interesting stuff. But I, I think it does too. It already, it's already visually like I've only recorded the first five pages so far, mm-hmm. and visually, it's already done more world building than I've seen in some comics that's been mm-hmm. going for years, and it's been just five pages. So like, it does. It's pretty good. Um. But yeah, the the Green Hulk. I mean, the Green Hulk. I mean, there's also the Red Hulk, and I think in some eras, like orange and gray and color of the rainbow Hulks. Um, but we're talking about Bruce Banner. Um, he got um he got bombed. And Rick Jones, uh, the rebellious um rock person. Oh yes, eventually, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically made it to where Bruce was out at the gamma radiation explosion. Yeah, Rick Jones, who bounces around the Marvel Universe becoming sidekicks to multiple people, started out his, uh, his life in Marvel as the guy who nearly got killed by a gamma bomb. And for a while, he became a bomb, I want to say. Yeah, during the Jeff Loeb, um... Ed McGinnis Red Hulk run, he became Abom. Which I need to probably do a reread of that. I remember enjoying it, but I was also, I think, around 13. Oh, it's super dumb, but it does have really muscular people beating the tar out of each other, uh, and Ed McGinnis does a great job with that. So. At, at, at the end of the day, I like that in my comic books. <laughs> so. Sure, absolutely. And a, Hulk, and a comic book character like Hulk. I mean, he's got tons of depth, and he works in a variety of ways, but certainly one of the ways he really works is two big comic book characters just beating the tar out of each other in various locales. Yeah, it's that's one of the reasons I think I love him so much, is because he has a lot of like emotional and psychological complexities, while also mm-hmm. just being super fun to watch just punch things. Like, there, like there is, it is a thing of beauty seeing, like, seeing the Hulk, like, just like waves and waves of enemies coming at him and him just smiling and leaping in the air about to smash the ever loving crap out of someone. Like, it is so fun. <laughs> uh, but it, we can, uh, but you as a person who knows how to do mind things and is possibly a evil person trying to brainwash <laughs> people, uh, you know about psychology. I do. Yeah. I am a therapist. Let's talk about some of the things that Hulk does good. Like, does what well, Hulk stories tend to do good, 
Well, yeah, I mean, Hulk is sort of the ultimate uh, warning against suppressing your feelings. You know, uh, Bruce Banner grew up in a um, abusive household and was constantly forcing down his anger and not allowing himself to feel it. And through the magic of comic book science, uh, we have that angry side of him that had been growing and growing and growing for years and years and years. And that's Hulk, uh, this out-of-control id monster that exists in part because Banner never let himself get angry, never let himself, you know, in essence, be a, a full person. Uh, and so he sort of grew this other person uh, metaphorically inside him, and then the bomb hit and made that metaphor a reality. Imagine that, but instead of, uh, uh, let's just say he allowed him to get mad, mad, let himself get mad all he wants, you know? Mm-hmm. But a healthy amount. But he never let himself get sad. Right, so you've got a super weepy Hulk. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like a, the Incredible Sulk, and it's just like a really sad person <laughs> who's just crying. I'm on board for that. Just this normal-sized green guy, who, or a gray, I guess that's how he started, who just cries buckets. I'm on board for that. Because that would also have a lot of emotional complexity, sans the punching Absolutely. things real good. But yeah, I he like I think I always like identified with the with like at least the suppression uh, aspect of Hulk because until recently I didn't really allow myself to feel things. I just kind of like buried everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's the story for a lot of men in, in the here and now, and especially historically speaking. I think that uh, Stanley didn't happen upon that particular um, reality by accident. Yeah, it's, I mean, both, like, both societal, like, you know, be a, be a man things, and just, like, also just mental illness stuff that I'm deal, deal with. Like, like, there's something about that, like, having that overwhelming force bubbling underneath of you, like, always, and just barely keeping it back until it explodes and turns into something destructive. It, it's very, it's very applicable to a lot of people's lives. And, and just like having that, that explosion of feelings and, um, of all the bad come out and it ruining your life in certain ways also. Like I said, it's a very fitting metaphor. It's a very fitting metaphor and to have it, and to have it in a very entertaining form as in the Hulk, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, that's also nice. Yeah. And also it shows that even with, the arrival of Hulk, like, you know, obviously Hulk gets mad and destroys a bunch of stuff, so he creates his own problems. But in addition to that, Banner's reaction remains the same. He never, not never, but especially initially, never tries to deal with what has created this monster. He just tries to get rid of it. You know, he doesn't stay behind and ask for help when something, when the Hulk smashes up a town, he runs away. So Banner's reactions stay very similar to what they were since he was a kid, which is, um, I think, a pretty accurate bit of uh, psychology in and of itself. We develop these reactions as kids that maybe even at the time were healthy or helped us, kept us safe, and then we grow out of them in terms of them keeping us safe and healthy, but we don't get rid of them and they become maladaptive. And that's Bruce Banner, you know, even though he has this giant monster that rips outside you know 
that's born out of him, he still tries to solve it in the ways he's always tried to solve his problems, uh, pretending they don't exist, suppressing them, or running from them. Yeah, and it, that's only that only hits almost all of my life. So <laughs> <laughs> you can tell, you can see why. And uh, there's like there's also this uh, arc. I forget how long it was, um, and I forget who wrote it. But there's this arc after after World War Hulk. And after um, his son, um, Scarson, which comes out of uh, Planet Hulk, mm-hmm. um, goes to Earth. After, like he suppresses, he successfully suppresses the Hulk almost completely. And then, and then, like there's a whole point of like, well, like Banner is a monster in his own way, where he's going around with his Banner tech, which is destroying people and just being just a generally a monster in general. Right, which is sort of like a commentary on if the Hulk never happened to Banner. Yeah, don't forget, you know, he's, he's sort of Tony Stark at this point. He was developing weapons, you know, like he made a bomb worse than the nuclear bomb uh, was his job before he turned into the Hulk. So it stands to reason if freed from the Hulk, he's not necessarily going to be the greatest human being on Earth. You know, he was making things to kill people. Yeah. They also did another very interesting run, um, I think a couple of years later after that, where the Hulk and Banner was completely separated. Like, not suppressed, completely separated. And the Hulk was basically... The Hulk was basically running around picking flowers, being happy. And, like, Banner was just the saddest, most depressed person ever. Well, yeah, Banner was more or less hunting him, if I remember correctly. Like he, he wanted, he wanted the Hulk back after a while because, like, he's ripping out the anger. The like, there's a lot of necessary evil in anger. Mm-hmm. Well, and as the Hulk evolved, you got to see that he also had this sort of childlike side. Like he's often screaming, especially early on, "Leave me alone!" Um, he doesn't necessarily want to smash the world. Um, he just wants to smash the things that insist on getting. In his face, if you will. Yeah, puny um, humans always yelling at him. Yeah, exactly. And so in a lot of ways, um, he's not just Banner's anger. He's a lot of the innocence and stuff that kind of got destroyed by Banner's dad and by the abuse. Um, so in some ways, it stands to reason that Banner would want that back because, you know, Hulk, especially at that point, you know, in the early 2000s, Hulk had done most of the emoting for Banner, both good and bad, for years and years. And there's some points where he never turns back into Banner. Right. He was the so-called Professor Hulk for a decade plus during Peter David's work on it and then afterwards. And, like, I mean, also, like, in Planet Hulk, except for, I think, two instances where he just, like, I'll let Banner come out. Mm-hmm. Or, yep. and, like, there's sometimes where, like, like, the Hulk gets to develop as a person but he's right. suppressed by Banner. Yeah, and like, the Hulk is angry during Planet Hulk, but A, he has good reason, he got cast off his planet, and B, you also see him adapt and sort of grow in his situation, and eventually he does come back to Earth, to even the score, but again, it goes back to that thing with Banner. You know, Banner, who knows how he would have reacted, but Hulk reacts by making the best of it, which is yeah. not necessarily what we've come to expect from Banner. Which, wh- yeah, because, like, Banner, this, oh my god, sorry, I love talking about the Hulk and the the psychological stuff with it. But, like, Banner is, well, like, as we said before, um, Hulk is an id monster, basically. 
he does what he wants. He does what makes him happy, and if something doesn't make him happy, he smashes it or he runs away. Which is stu- which is something I think all of us can relate, and which is why children are the way they are. Like, just imagine a child with a strength with like class one thousand strength. Like, that's what the Hulk is. Like, he just wants to be happy. He just wants to be left alone. And if he has friends, he just wants to hang out with his friends. Like, that's all he wants. He wants nothing more than that. Like, my son this morning, before he left the house, was all upset because he was getting to go to the bounce house, but he wasn't getting to go to this museum. And he wanted to do both. You know, if you had Hulk's strength and his ability to leap, that kid's getting to do both. (laughs) And he's not just crying on the floor in my kitchen, he's ripped the wall off my kitchen and he's going to do it for himself, you know? Yeah, and, like, the Hulk, the Hulk essentially is a giant child. And, right, exactly. But, but with that, but with that, when he is the Hulk and stuff, he still has intelligence, he still has a personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the modern Hulk often has all of that. You know, it has, he can be an id monster, but he also can plan and things like that. You know, we keep coming back to it, but a lot of ways he has advanced and grown and matured significantly more than Bruce Banner did. Yeah, and and Bruce Banner is one of the smartest people in the world, but he's also one of the most suppressed people who is never happy, who's never really... He never really gets to do what he wants because he's so scared of the Hulk. But, But what happens sometimes is that him and the Hulk get along and work mm-hmm. together and they're happy right because he's able to because he's able to you know get out all of his rage and aggression and mm-hmm. be the hero that he wants to be safely without yeah you know and but still be himself and be a smart mm-hmm. dude and everything which right. which is a but great at the lesson. same time he is a man who's obsessed with control so you get things like However you felt about the recent, um, oh, what's the crossover that preceded this one? Um, uh, oh, C- Civil War II. Civil War II, yeah. Where he essentially asks Hawkeye to kill him if he turns into Hulk again. That fits in with Banner's personality, which is, even though Hulk has done all this good and Hulk has changed from... Uh, the gray beast he was in those first appearances, or the mindless child he was after that, um, Banner can't stand the idea of losing control in that way. You know, he'd literally rather die. Which, which is, which is, uh, which is one of the reasons why I think uh, traditional Hulk stories and the totally awesome Hulk stories differ very, like a lot, because because Armadeus Chow as the Hulk. Sure, he has like the, you know, rage and stuff, but he's still an id monster. He still is. It's just, it's not, I'm going to beat everything up and destroy everything. It's, I'm super horny. I want to eat all the time, id. And like, and, and, but like, he's still able to control himself and he has fun being the Hulk. And it's such a joyful book because of it, because he's just allowed to just have fun and. Right. And Amadeus Cho was. He's an emotionally healthy kid, you know, uh, he's a teenager, but he's been emotionally healthy up to this point. So like he's reckless and things like that, but also he grew up in an environment with uh, people who cared about him with a mentor, you know, in Hercules that was understanding and fun, you know, so he, he is ahead of Banner 
in multitude of ways before he becomes Hulk, and therefore he's able to look at it as this gift in essence. And I think I think the writers do a really good job at showing the uh, dis- uh, the the difference between a well-adjusted Hulk and a mal-adjusted Hulk. Because at some point, um, I forget which character, no, it's, uh, um, Amora, um, the Enchantress, is trying to do what she does with the Hulk all the time, and, like, try to take control. And she's trying to go how she normally does with Hulk, we go through pain. But, but his biggest pain is his parents dying. But when he was doing that, I'd be like, well, I see what you're doing, and it hurts, but I've learned how to deal with that hurt. This isn't going to work. Yeah, he has processed those feelings. You know, they still exist. They're not pleasant, but he has reckoned with them in ways that Hulk, you know, that Banner has never reckoned with his emotions. Yeah, and it's just, it's, it's, it's just really interesting how this character, like Hulk, should have been just a dumb, smashy character. There are so many dumb, smashy characters out there. With like no, with the, which, whose only purpose is to be a dumb, smashy character. But they managed to pack in a lot of like, important lessons and, um, observations about repression and, um, adjustment and, uh, and how all of your emotions are valid. Right. And they get a lot of mileage even over, out of the dumb, smashy stuff. You know, one of my, favorite uh books you know single stories from childhood for or not childhood from but like my teens forward is there's this original graphic novel with um the hulk and thing get stuck on a planet together and they do the usual hulk thing uh thing they fight and then they figure out the situation and at the end they're given a wish for anything they want in the world and hulk beats thing to it and he wishes for Returning to Earth and a pile of cheeseburgers, which and it's this that's so great cheerful. commentary on yeah, it's it's childlike, but it's also kind of beautiful that like all he wants to do is go home and he's hungry, and so that makes sense to him. Like that's enough to keep him happy. He doesn't think of taking over the world or ultimate power, um, and so he just reacts, and it's kind of sweet. I you know obviously thing is frustrated, but it's a really sweet thing. Which like that observation people have about kids. They're destructive little id monsters, but they're also very sweet and attentive at the same time. Absolutely, yeah. And the Hulk is also that. Like he like pure just because something is id based doesn't automatically mean it's bad. That's kind of mm-hmm. the puritanical uh right, puritanical exactly. uh American values thing. Um if you enj- like because, like, we're pretty much taught still nowadays, if you enjoy it a lot, you need to suppress it. Right. I mean, that's a big part of, uh, not to get too much into work I do, but I do something called DBT, which is dialectal behavior therapy. And a big part of that is making the point that uh, rational mind and emotive mind are equally important to being a, a healthy human being. You know, too often we're taught that, like, unless you make your decisions logically, they're bad decisions. And the fact is that you need both aspects of yourself. Yeah, and and I, f- I feel like the the lesson that we can learn from a character like Hulk is sometimes it's fun to just go around and you know do whatever you want and you know mm-hmm. eat, sleep, have sex, punch things. It, that's fun to do. Right. And yeah. don't and you know when it's appropriate, allow yourself to do that. 
Absolutely. But, uh, but, but you also need to have that logical side, which is banner. But if that logical side takes over, it could be very psychologically damage, damaging. Because, exactly, yeah. Because humans, as much as we like to say that we're, you know, higher, higher thinking, uh, higher thinking, um, logical beings, we're still animals that. And we still have emotions and we shouldn't pretend otherwise. One of the, which is one of the fallacies I think a lot of people put on people nowadays when they make fun of people for having feelings. Yeah. Uh, just to let you guys know which book that is it's called The Incredible Hulk and the Thing Big Change. It's an original graphic novel. And amongst other things, it has Hulk wearing a squid alien on his head to blend in. Oh. Uh, so it's pretty great. Oh my god, that's so, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> he he hits it on the head to knock it out, and then he wears it for like several pages after that, so he can blend in with the other alien creatures. It's pretty great. But yeah, it's so. This has been a long episode, which I'm probably not editing on a lot of, just because I feel like we've had a lot of um, good conversation. Yeah, I think we've done pretty well. But it's it's just uh, like it's it makes a lot of sense why 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 I. Or why a lot of people uh, get attached to a character like the Hulk, because from yeah. the outside, it seems like you're just looking at a big dude punching things. Mm-hmm. But that big dude punching things is an expression of a lot of like deeper, uh, a depth of like psychological understanding, at least basic understandings. Yeah, and I think he appeals to different people at different ages. Like kids, I think get him because as we talked about, he's so similar to how they operate in the world. Um, you know, teenagers get it because you've got this rush of hormones that feels out of control and you're kind of scared of it. And then adults get it. Cause a lot of those psychological problems that you developed as a kid or as a teenager come home to roost. So there's that kind of feeling of wrestling with whatever you've got inside at that age. Um, so I think he connects with each of those respective sort of eras in development pretty well. Which, which like, I've, I've been a fan of the Hulk since I was around seven, I want to say. Which is about the same time I started reading comics and getting super into them. And, um, like, it's, like, I can go back and reread stories and get more out of it. Like, like Planet Hulk happens early 2000s. What is I was, like, a kid. Like, I was a kid who was an angsty kid who just loved reading, like, the Hulk being an out-of-control gladiator. But going back and reading it later on, I'm getting a lot more emotional depth out of it. And it's it's like one of the it's like one of those characters I could just keep on giving. It, it's just it's 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 super fun. It's but I mean I could I could go on and on, but I don't want to make this an hour-long episode. So um so what we're gonna do here is we're just gonna just uh Maybe just uh, say a couple of your favorite Hulk stories, maybe, and then we'll we'll get to the end. Because like I know we did get a lot into the actual um, history of the Hulk, but I feel like the history matters, but I feel like it doesn't matter as much as the character itself. Yeah, especially in this case, I think you know he is so rich, and he's been around for fifty five years this year, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. It was 55 years in May. Oh, so, like, I'm just hitting, like, the, like, the Hulk 
nexus with my new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's good. I'm glad that my level of Hulk is uh, carefully timed. Un- there you go. <laughs> unknowingly. So yeah, what what's your favorite uh, Hulk story? Well, like I said, you know, obviously, uh, I really like that big change book I just mentioned. Um, Peter David, I, I have all of the, uh, I forgot what they're called, uh, but the entire collection of the six different volumes or maybe more at this point. of, <clears throat> And that follows a huge transition from, you know, the out-of-control out Hulk you get in that, you get Mr. Fix-It, which is the gray suit-wearing Hulk who works for kind of the mob in Las Vegas, and then you get Professor Hulk out of that, which is pretty great. Um, Planet Hulk runs into something called World, uh, World War Hulk, uh, where he returns and sort of takes his rage out on the people who sent him to the planet in the first place without his permission. Which, um, which, uh, if I if I could spoil something real quick. Yes. The reason why he went back to Earth is so heart wrenching. Yes. And every and every single page of him being, I'm angry at you and I'm going to destroy you. I'm just like, you're right, Hulk. Destroy the Earth. They did do you wrong. They're awful. Yeah, because you know, in in Planet Hulk, in a lot of ways, he, like I said earlier, he reaches a peace with it. He is largely happy with the life he creates there so he doesn't come back to earth specifically because uh, they sent him he comes back to earth because they sent him and then they ruined it for him um so that's pretty fascinating and i wouldn't recommend reading the heroes reborn stories but i just to take a second i really like the role they cast uh banner in in that book they have something called the atomic knights of the round table so it's like banner and stark and richard's um, and I just liked the idea of him being recognized as a scientific colleague of those guys because he is incredibly intelligent and that often gets, you know, in, in the Hulk stuff gets lost in the mix. So I appreciated that that was a book that recognized that. But the rest of Heroes Reborn is not worth reading. That's just something I liked. I think one of the really interesting things they did, which I mentioned before, is... Banner, af- like after Scar Sun, which is uh, basically a Conan mm-hmm. Hulk. Yeah, that's it's- Conan in modern times kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes to Earth and he find he sh- he wants to kill his father, who abandoned him on a Hellscape mm-hmm. planet that was blown up by Reed Richards and the rest of the Illuminati because they built a spaceship bad. Um, but uh. uh but, like, he came back and wanting to kill the Hulk, but the Hulk was suppressed by Banner. Like, completely. He was just like, I'm not having this anymore. So he teams up with Banner until he could turn back into the Hulk again. And Banner is going around being a, being a freaking monster. Like, like, he basically, his tech that he builds in just a couple days, it, like, outpaces Stark by a million miles, like, in no time. And nothing could hurt him. Wade wrote that. And it was, like I said, it's a really interesting look at the sort of dark side of his intelligence. Yeah, it, it's it, it's really interesting how they were managed to make, like, Hulk, which was a very sympathetic character up to that point, especially after Planet Hulk and World War Hulk and all that. It turned Banner into a worse person. There's also a really, really, really messed up scene where, uh, 
Draken. Am I saying that right? I always mess up. Uh, Wolverine's son? Dokken. Dokken. Yeah, Dokken uses his pheromone powers on the child to calm him down. Mm-hmm. So he isn't the Hulk. Yeah. That, real creepy there. Real yeah. creepy. Don't, don't use pheromone powers, please. Pheromone, let's just rule out pheromone powers from everything from now on. <sighs> They're ooky, that's for sure. They're bad. It's a bad, it's bad. I know it's like a cool angle. It's just like, oh, you know. They're they're tapping into primal sense memory or whatever. It's, no, just stop. Just stop. It's 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 like if it's like if empath was like mm-hmm. most of the time, <laughs> and empath is really creepy. So just yeah, don't... I don't know if you've ever read Star Fox. I know you guys aren't there yet, but he is super creepy yeah. as well. Yeah, to the yeah, just don't. I I'm tired of heroes and, and villains having like mind control and pheromone powers just because of especially with uh how consent is being brought up now and how it's actually being taken a little bit more seriously well even the um jessica spider woman has them the only thing that sort of makes that redeeming is that people have a tendency to forget about them and not write her using them which is appreciated yeah but, like, that was a very deliberate, but, like, the whole, like, using your pheromones to calm down uh, the Hulk child is very mm. creepy. And it's written to be creepy, too. So at least they recognize that, I guess. But, at yeah. least at mm. least they recognize it. It still skews me out when I think about, though. Uh, it you know, is it's super ooby, yeah. <laughs> but, but whatever. We're now talking about Hulk more, um, which I was trying not to <laughs> do. Uh but, uh, yeah, I think, as I mentioned multiple times, I think Planet Hulk is one of the better comic book stories written in my lifetime. I don't know if I think so. you would agree, but I think it yeah, is no, one I of the better stories. So. Um, like, I don't want to overstate it. Like, it is a really good, like, transformative piece for Hulk. Coming off of Peter David, who wrote the book for so long, that was a hard, and you know there are other writers in between, but it was really hard not to sort of go back to the things he had done. And Planet Hulk was a really effective way to sort of put Hulk in a different place and uh, study him in a different way that yielded some really interesting story. Which I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not saying that Superior Spider-Man is as good as Planet Hulk, but I feel like a lot of it, it does, it did a similar thing where. As much as I love Spider-Man and Peter Parker, you know, 600 or so issues, and you have to do something to, you know, reignite the flame. And making Doc Ock, and making Doc Ock Spider-Man for a good, like, almost three years was what kind of what the book needed. And, and it did a really good The nice good thing job. about that one... It just quickly, you know, obviously we're running long, but the nice thing about that one was that it was um, something that gave us insight into both Spider-Man and Doc Ock. So it kind of changed both, you know, gave us uh, a different understanding of both those characters, which was really nice. Yeah. And uh, then, I guess, Doc Ock decided to work with the Nazis at, at, yeah. at the end of, like, recently. So I guess that just kind of threw away a lot of his character <laughs> development. But it's whatever. Um <laughs> Just because just because the Nazis have a have a octopus symbol does not mean you need to work with a Doc Ock. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, it's so like it, it it was like one of those like much needed breaks from the status quo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That actually worked. Cause like I know like 
Yeah, uh, I agree. X-Men try to do this like quite often where they try to throw a wrench in the system. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. Right. Um, but like plan I think Planet Hulk, Superior Spider-Man, um they try to do that with infam- uh Superior um Superior Iron Man, but it didn't really work out that well. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, that was also really short. It didn't really get a chance to develop if it was going to go anywhere, any kind yeah, of steam. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, well, um, I mean, I think Infamous Iron Man is doing a good job, and the current Invincible Iron Man is doing a good job also. Yeah, actually, Invincible, uh, Infamous Iron Man is kind of a nice take on a superior Spider-Man kind of story. Yes, and it also has a beautiful art, and it's also Victor Von Doom being Victor Von Doom. Uh, aka Magic Iron Man. Yep. Um, which is fun and great, and you should read that also because it's a Bendis story where he touches a character I like that's not ruined so far. So, yeah, I, I would say this is one of the ones that he seems to really connect with and get. Yes, which which helps because mm-hmm. um, I I've already cut out a million years of me talking bad on Bendis, um, <laughs> but he does a really good job with. Um, single character titles, where he, where he likes the character. Mm-hmm, absolutely, he does a really good job. Like he is a good writer. He just sometimes he gets over his head and does a little bit mm-hmm. stuff out of his lane. Yeah, it's not necessarily the best fit. Yeah, but I think Infamous Iron Man is actually doing good. And cue the really bad issue next month. But um, <laughs> so far, it's good. Um, they're doing a lot of psychological looking at Doctor Doom and his past mm-hmm. and how he's dealing with being a hero as well as, for years, an international terrorist. So, but let's go, let's go and finish this, <laughs> this, this super log episode. So, Tim, what do you have to unleash on the world creatively? Well, as always, you can find me at marvel.com, usually about an average of three times a week. Uh, You can visit my own site, which is timstevensisungage.com, or my Twitter feed, which is at ungage, and ungage is spelled U-N-G-A-J-J-E. I've also added a new uh, freelance endeavor to the weekly roster. It's Nation of Nerds which is nationofnerds.com, one word. Once a week, I have an op-ed column that I'll be running there probably on Saturday or Sunday. The first one ran this Sunday, um, but by the time you guys hear this, it's probably going to be a couple more in. So check that yeah. out as well. So, and it gives me a chance um, to write about stuff that's not just Marvel. So like this week, I wrote about Wally West, The Flash. Uh, so if you ever want to know other things I think about in terms of comics, that's where you can find it. Was your opinion that he's better than Barry Allen in every way? Yes, and that I miss the the Wally West of the 90s and 2000s. Okay, because I, I was wondering where you stood on the side of history there, and you're on the right side. That's correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, my name is uh, Jesse, and if you'd like to follow uh, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, that is at alpha flight pod and you can check out the rest of our shows such as puny pages the hulk podcast which might be out by now um you can find out about those on the curio cast group on facebook if you'd like to support the shows you can find us on patreon and buy t-shirts and junk on redbubble you can find the links to all that stuff 
in the show notes. Um, and, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sidestep Conchu this, this week. I mean, this, this episode, which I love Conchu. I will, I will forever, I will forever walk the night feeling safe because of him. But, um, Hulk smash puny human who always yells at him. Bye. Bye.